Uh, Today we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 2, looking at a conversation that a man named Simeon has with Jesus, really with Mary and Joseph. So Luke chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible or a device, there's a blue Bible in front of you somewhere. It's on page 857. So Luke chapter 2, and then once you find that, turn back to nearly the very beginning of the Bible, Exodus chapter 13. So Luke chapter 2, Exodus chapter 13, and we'll begin there in verse 11. Let's stand together as we read God's Word. We're going to begin with Exodus 11. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, or the promised land, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, and you shall be set apart to the Lord, all that the first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of a man among your sons shall be redeemed. And when in time to come, your sons ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both both the firstborn of men and the firstborn of animals. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll begin with verse 21. At the end of the eight, eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, or Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present Jesus to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms And blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. You may be seated and let's take a moment to reflect on God's word. Uh, This morning I want to talk to you about intersections. Intersections. Intersections where, where two roads come together, maybe where two people meet. Intersections are interesting places because they represent opportunities. They represent opportunities sometimes to change in a, 
in a direction. You're going in a certain direction and you something, someone intersects your life and then you go in a different direction. There are lots of interesting and famous intersections that you and I could think of. You might think of the intersection of 42nd Avenue and Broadway. Probably one of the most famous intersections in America. We, we call it something. Times Square. It's Times Square. It's this intersection, and it seems like an intersection where lots of roads meet, lots of things are happening. People change directions. It's also this famous intersection hosts another famous intersection. Uh, an intersection that many of us here probably not me, but many of you here are going to stay up till midnight in nine days, and you're going to watch a ball drop in this famous intersection. And this famous intersection is hosting the intersection of two years. 2019 is, is fading off the scene, and, and 2020 is, is being birthed. And, and at this moment or around this time, many of us will reflect back on what happened in 2019. And then we'll turn our face towards 2020 and, and probably make some hopes, some promises, some thoughts about, I, I hope 2020 brings some change of direction for me in some way. There are intersections of this kind of happening. There's also intersections between people. I think everyone here has been inter, inter, uh, involved in or been affected by a famous intersection between two teenage boys in 1971. Summer of 1971, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak met in the, that summer. And probably many of us have a, an Apple product maybe in our pocket or our pocketbook. And this intersection, these two teenagers come together and they start working on computers. Who knows what computers is back in 1971? But yet this little intersection, this little moment of time and produces a relationship that that really changes the world maybe you can think of a a more personal intersection in your life my mother used to talk dreamingly about the intersection of her and my dad and so since he died early when I was four years old, she would always try to recount stories about him and she liked to to recount that first moment as you might imagine she would remember so Patricia Marie Crittenden, 19 years old, five foot, one inch high, weighed about 100 pounds. She's from a little map dot town called Benton, Arkansas. She travels down for her sophomore year to a little school called Washita Baptist University. And one day in the cafeteria, across the way, she sees a, a skinny 18-year-old boy. Six foot three, Morgan Lawless Phillips. And their eyes met. And it was an intersection that she knew right at that moment. Now, I don't know if that's the way it really happened, but in her mind, that's how it, that's how it transpired. And this intersection was, it's an important intersection, especially for me. You have these kinds of intersections, do you not? Things, things that happen, moments that you'd say, hey, I came to a point in my life, I came to a person, and, and I had a different direction from that point on. The most important and pivotal intersection the world has ever known has been 
when God intersected the world. When God comes in the flesh to intersect our world. That's what we call the incarnation. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. And certainly no, no intersection in the world has caused more change. We, we set our calendars by his birth. Uh, many of us, our lives have been transformed. With some, somewhere in our lives, there, an intersection with Jesus happened, and, and we started down a new path. It was like the old had gone and the new, like a new year, had been ushered in, and we started moving in a different direction. And this morning, we get a chance to look at a very interesting intersection. It's this intersection of an old man with these two teenagers with a baby. The baby's about six weeks old, and they intersect at the temple. And this little intersection also has a number of intersections in it. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. Several different intersections that happen in this one passage. First of all, I want us to look at verses 22 through 24 and notice the intersection of Jesus and the Exodus. Jesus and the Exodus. This, these first two verses about Mary and Joseph going to the temple and having this ceremony, you and I, we're unfamiliar with the, the customs, so it, we don't necessarily see it, see it. It sounds sort of wooden or ceremonial, but it has a very powerful picture of what something God wants his people to remember. And that comes back from Exodus chapter 13. God is saving his people from slavery. And he wants them to remember forever the cost of freedom. Now, of course, these people in Exodus 13, they're never going to forget. They're the ones that walked across the Red Sea. But God knows over time, as the the event goes by, it, it gets a little foggy. And he says, I want you to never forget the cost of your freedom. And what was the cost? What was the last plague? What was the final key that turned the door? The firstborn. And so in a way to remember it, he says every male animal that's a firstborn male animal is is consecrated or given over to the Lord. The same thing with a son. The first son that opens up a womb, you're going to consecrate, you're going to give this child over to the Lord. It's a ceremony, and it happens at a particular time. And so Mary and Joseph are making their way from Bethlehem up to to Jerusalem, and they're going to go through this ceremony. And this beautiful picture, imagine Mary and Joseph handing over the firstborn as a way to remember This is how you get free from slavery. Can you imagine just the beauty of that moment? The firstborn is how you are set free. Now, the priest didn't actually use the firstborn. It was more of a ceremony. And what you did to get your child back is you would pay a price. You would give a lamb. A lamb would redeem the child back. And again, you see the picture? A lamb is going to be, be what's used to redeem humanity. Can you imagine Mary at the cross remembering when she redeemed the Redeemer? A powerful moment. I'm, I'm redeeming the lamb who's going to give himself for the whole world. 
And so Jesus is this new Moses, and he's leading a a new exodus. And he's the lamb that's going to be slain. And if you get underneath his care, underneath his protection, then death passes over you, and you are set free, not, not from slavery like in Egypt, but from the slavery of sin. He has paid everything. It's Jack said so beautifully, just mimicking the words of, of Isaiah. The, the war's over. The war with God is over. You don't have to pay anything. He has paid it all. And Simeon is here watching this intersection of the Old Testament and the New Testament come together in the person of Christ. It's a, it's a beautiful intersection. The second intersection we have is Jesus with Simeon. These two teenagers, they're bringing their six-week-old into the temple. Uh, somewhere else on another road is an old man. We're not sure how old he is. Uh, church history says he was 113 years old. He's making his way to the temple. What do do we know about Simeon? Three things that we can point out just from the text. Verse 25, he was righteous. That doesn't mean he was perfect. It just means he followed after the Lord. So if he sinned, there was a a, a sacrifice that he made in, in, in lieu of that sin. Here's what one commentator said. He steadily regulated all his conduct according to the commands of God. He steadily regulated his conduct according to the plumb line of God's word. That'd be a great resolution, wouldn't it? Just in 2019, I'm just going to steadily regulate. You know, the, you know, a regulator, you've got to always be sort of tweaking it. you always got to adjust it because it might get out of balance. It's not something that you do every Sunday. It's something you do every day. You you're steadily regulating yourself. He was devout, it says, means he was careful. He, he examined his life. His beliefs always matched his behavior. He wasn't the kind of guy you would see on Sunday and he'd act all pious. And then on Tuesday, you'd say, well, what, what, what happened to that whole Christianity thing? No, when, whenever you met Simon or Simeon, you thought, man, he's the real deal. He's the same every time. Why? Because he was careful. He was devout. He must have been a refreshing man to be around. Third, and maybe most importantly, he was patient. He waited. He waited 113 years. How good are you at waiting? Imagine you're at the computer and you search in your Google bar, Jesus And you have to wait 113 years for one response. I get frustrated if I have to wait like three seconds for a response. Here, this man, he's waited 113 years. He's been promised. You're going to see. You're going to intersect the Messiah. Your life is is going to see this person. And he waits. And he waits through, through difficult times. The, the life, the 113 years for Simeon would have been difficult years. It was what we call a time of silence. Between Malachi, the end of uh, Old Testament, and Matthew is 400 years. And he got to la- 
to, to wait that last hundred years. The government was a disaster in his time. All the political leaders were corrupt and self-serving. Imagine living in a country that would be that way. And finally, the church, no better. Two different groups inside the church. The, the syncretists, the ones who wanted to adopt the culture and make sure they had a lots of commonalities with the culture. And then the separatists. We wall ourselves off from the culture. We don't want to have anything to do with the culture outside. And so all these, these places, Simeon is in this place and he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting because he knows even if it sounds like God's gone silent in his life, he knows God's in control. It's possible that 2020 might be a silent year for you. Maybe you're coming off what seemed like a silent year. I I prayed and prayed, but nothing happened. It didn't appear. And you'll have to be Simeon and say, "But, but I wait patiently. Even though I don't feel like anything's getting done, I'm trusting God's doing something even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it. So he, he waited. This is the, the last characteristic we know of Simeon is the one I enjoy the most. He, he was joyful. Simeon gets to do what all of us would long to do, those who love Jesus. He gets to wrap his arms all the way around Jesus. He takes the baby from Mary, and he gets to embrace the Savior. And when he does, he can't just say something. He has to sing something. You notice he he burst out into a song. And it's just like what you would expect for, for somebody who's longed for this lover and finally met them. You can't just say, wow, that's neat. No, you've you got to sing something. It's got to come out of your soul. And you've got to sing in a way that, that meets the other person's soul. It's why, why two young lovers have favorite songs. Because, because you can't just say what you think. You've got to say, no, this guy, this, this woman, they're singing what I mean to say. There's lots of great songs in the Bible. Moses and his uh, sister Miriam, they crossed the Red Sea. They get to see their physical salvation from slavery. And what's the very first thing that happens in Exodus 15? Bust out into a song. Paul is trying to describe Jesus to the Philippians, and he just can't do it with words. So he borrows a hymn from the day and says, it's like this hymn. It's just like this. i got to sing to you about Jesus. I can't just say it. And Luke is full of hymns in the first two chapters. Everybody's singing about Jesus. Mary's singing about Jesus. The angels are singing about Jesus. And now Simeon, he's singing about Jesus. I wonder if this is ever your experience. It's not every day, but are there spaces in your life where you can just bust out in a song because of how much you love Jesus? Or is your relationship flat or wooden? My, my prayer is that there would be some kind of space. It would be so moving for you 
that somebody, some song would come to your mind, and maybe you're not going to sing it in front of a lot of people, but you're going to sing it in your, your car. You're going to sing it in the shower because you just can't say it. You've got to sing it when you see the greatness of God. I was at a conference for preaching, and this great preacher, a guy named Robert Smith, an African-American pastor, man, he, when you heard him preach, you were just like you were drawn in. And you're sitting on the edge of, his, of your seat, and, and the last two or three minutes, he just gets so excited, he starts singing his sermon. Now, you don't want me to do this at, at any point. But, but he starts singing, and you just want to stand up and go, Yes! That's right. That's what I believe. That's what I'm living for. That's that moment. And I hope somewhere in the Christmas season, the songs don't become too wooden that you, you pick one out and you just sing at the top of your voice because God has moved in your life in such a powerful way. He's intersected your life that you're never going to be the same. That's why Simeon is bursting out into a song. What a, what a great intersection. Third intersection, very surprising, I think, intersection happens between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, in Isaiah, the part that Jack sung about, it's Isaiah giving a prophecy to the people of Israel. I know you're in exile, but there's going to, be, there's going to come somebody who's going to give you comfort. Somebody who's going to rescue you. But what we find surprising in this passage in verse 32 this, this comfort that's going to come, this salvation in verse 30, is for all peoples in verse 31. To make sure you understand, a light for the revelation of Gentiles and for the glory of your people. So here we have this intersection of Jew and Gentile. It's hard for us to appreciate how head-shaking this would have been for a Jewish person. What? I thought they were just coming. I thought he was just coming for us. I thought he was going to be like a king who got rid of all the Romans. I'm not interested in the Romans actually being on the inside. You're you're telling me he's going to rescue my enemies too? Yeah, he is going to rescue your enemies. Because you're an enemy. God only rescues enemies. And he's going to rescue all kinds of people in the world. And the Apostle Paul tries to pick up on this because it's so hard for these people to understand it. He says, this is a mystery that's been revealed. Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same bodies, partakers of the same promise. They're just like us. Jew and Gentile are now together. And it's a glorious It's meant to be a a glorious intersection. And you're meant to see it a little bit here on earth so it prepares you for a much greater intersection. That intersection is going to happen in Revelation chapter 7 when Jesus says, or when John says, before me was a multitude so great no one could count. And who made up that multitude? People from every tribe and tongue and nation, they're all standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, and they're singing in a loud voice. And all these kinds of people are singing one song to one Savior, and that's glorious. And if you ever get a chance to do it here on earth, you think, yes, 
that's like what it's going to be like in heaven. And God's preparing us for it just in small right now for that great day. Imagine a chorus from a number you couldn't count, all singing the same thing. Think about the power of that moment. My, my fondest, one of my fondest memories for 2019 will be when I went to India in January. And so these pastors have a conference, and I come, and I'm the speaker. And we spent time together. I got a chance to talk to some of them. And this one guy had come from northern India. It took him 45 hours by train. So I came from America. It took me about 20 hours by plane. It took him 45 hours by train. So here we intersect in this busy city in India, Pune. And I'm standing there, and I'm listening to his story, and he said, by God's help, we'll open up the gospel to three new villages in this northern part of India, right next to Pakistan, that's, that they call the brutal part of India. And so it was an honor for me to pray with him, to try to prepare him by teaching him God's word. But on the last day, we stood together and sang. This white pastor from America, this Indian pastor from a small town on the border of Pakistan. And I thought, yeah, this is a tiny little sliver. We're, we're all singing the same song to the same Savior. And just for a moment, it felt like the, the sky rolled back like a scroll. And you could say, this is a little taste of what it's going to be like. God is, is most glorified when he's proclaimed in unity by a diversity of people. That's what this intersection tells us. That's what the message of the Bible tells us. One final intersection. I think if uh, this passage had wrapped up in verse 33, it would have seemed more uh, fitting uh, these two people, they're walking along to Jerusalem. They, they meet in the temple. Uh, Simeon, from the Holy Spirit, knows here's, the, here's this person. Here's the Savior. He picks him up. He gets a chance to sing his song. And then verse 33, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Fade to black. Wouldn't that be imperfect? You, you, you play it as a, a movie and... And here Simeon is handing back this child to the mother and the, the theme of his song is still playing in the background and they're marveling at Jesus. Except that's not where it ends. Simeon steps back in. He's got one more thing to say. Simeon blessed both of them, Mary and Joseph. And then he looks at Mary in the eye and says, Behold, or pay attention. This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. See, what Simeon knew is that Jesus wasn't just going to intersect Simeon's life. Jesus was going to intersect your life. And there's no neutrality. You either come to Jesus and you, you rise because you've, you've worshipped him, you've trusted in him, or you fall away to an eternal death. 
It's, it's rising or falling. And I wonder, I wonder what that intersection means for you. See, it, this isn't the first time, but now everybody in this room has had this intersection. You've had a chance to step into the intersection. The intersection that was proclaimed in Exodus chapter 13 has shown up in Matthew chapter 2 is still being proclaimed out today. And this is your moment. Which direction, rise or fall, will you go? We know Simeon, he's ready. Because he says it, the opening line of a song. Lord, now you're letting your servant, what does it say? Depart in peace. I'm ready to go. I'm at peace. I'm not at war with God anymore. I don't have to worry about whether I'm good enough. I can depart. The, the word here means to release a prisoner, to unyoke a beast of burden, to untie a ship from a dock. Isn't that a great picture? I'm in peace. I'm ready to let this, this rope fall away. And I'm ready to go home. So we don't know when our departure comes. For somebody in this room, it might be 2020. For all of us, it's going to be one year. And my question for us all, you, are you ready? you like Simeon. You're re- I can depart in peace. I am ready to let this world go and sail home. And I feel peaceful about it because I've had an intersection with Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, this, is, this might be the day of an intersection for, for people here. That they're ready to move in a different direction. They're ready for 2020 to, to let go of things like the wise men. To, to lay some things down that they have treasured and say, I'm not going to treasure those things anymore. I'm going I'm to take both of my hands and hold on and trust in Jesus. Even if, even if the year seems quiet from you. I'm going to hold on to this hope. Lord, will you, I pray that you would minister to only, only the way you can to every soul. That they would think tonight on whether they can depart in peace. Thank you for your son who comes to give that peace. And we pray in his name. Amen.